So today I'm going to be teaching part three of a teaching about the Holy Spirit. And this is something that has been growing and growing and growing as I've been preparing this teaching for you guys. And I know, I mean, I've known through experience that this was a critical, crucial, big, huge piece in my healing journey and in my walk with God. I've had other people verify that. Kathy is one of them. And um, I've seen other people who were filled with the Holy Spirit and everything fast forwarded. Everything in their walk with God and with their healing journey accelerated. This is a healing class. And we want to give you every possible God tool possible to enable you to walk in the fullness of life that God planned for you to walk in. So that's why I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit. This is a teaching that can be, um, I guess the best word is controversial in the Christian world because not every Christian faith recognizes or even believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I have given you biblical evidence upon biblical evidence upon biblical evidence. And that's everything that we teach here is what the word teaches. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to start with a mini review of the first two sessions so that we can kind of put together the amazing pieces of the puzzle. So the first week I talked about the different dispensations of the Holy Spirit throughout the biblical timeline. The first dispensation is the Old Testament dispensation that began when the Bible was first recorded in Genesis through Malachi, through the end of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was very, very active and powerful. We see him active and working powerfully. Yes, honey? Yeah, would you pass that out, Barb? I'm sorry. Thank you, honey, for reminding us. Um, Kent, or Barb's going to pass out a, a handout for you guys to follow. So back to where I was. In the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit was very powerful. We see him working through Moses, through um, King David, through all of the prophets. We see him working not only in individuals, but also in groups of people. So when the Israelites were, were taking the promised land, we saw the Holy Spirit come and make the way for them to defeat every single place they went supernaturally against all odds. We see that in a lot of cases where the armies were able to completely overtake a multitude because the Holy Spirit was with them. But the way that the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament was that he was um, placed or imparted upon certain people at certain times for certain purposes and then the Holy Spirit departed. And the reason that happened is because Jesus had not yet paid for our sin. And the holy God could not inhabit an unholy vessel or an unholy person. So he came upon them, but he wasn't within them. Then came the gospel dispensation, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those gospels were all about Jesus. They're the story of Jesus. They're the accounts of Jesus. Jesus had a huge, well, two huge distinctions from the rest of people, from the rest of humanity. The first distinction was that he had no sin. And the second distinction was because he had no sin, he had the Holy Spirit within him. 
We're going to read scriptures in a minute that show when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But it was when he was about 30 years old, and he was baptized in water, and when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit settled upon him and within him. He was led to the desert by the Holy Spirit. He fasted and prayed for 40 days, and when he came out of the desert, he came out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's when his ministry started. That's when he started preaching with authority. And I love there's two or three different scriptures where it says that the people marveled because he was teaching with authority, unlike the teachers of the law, unlike the the men and women before him who were rabbis who had been very um, trained and prepared, and yet they weren't teaching with the same authority. It's because they didn't have the Holy Spirit working through them. That's also when um, um, signs and wonders began to follow, radically. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in word and demonstration, in word and signs and wonders. So that was the gospel dispensation. But in the middle of Jesus' ministry, he started to tell his disciples, and it's in his word, so it's also you and I, we're his disciples too. He started to tell his disciples about the promise, about another helper that he was going to send after he left. He said, it's important that I leave so that then I can send the Holy Spirit or the promise or the, the, another helper. So he gave the, the word, and he, he gave, and this is what I taught in the last few weeks, he gave all these amazing um, attributes that the Holy Spirit was going to do for us. He was going to bring truth. He was going to reveal to us the mysteries of God. He was going to be our counselor, our helper. He was going to convict us of important truth. Um, he was going to be there for us. And then... When Jesus was crucified, when he died, when he was buried, and when he, were, and when he resurrected, he took all of the judgment that was ours, that was to be on us, he took all of the judgment upon himself. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says that he took our sin into his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. By his stripes, we're healed. Healing and forgiveness are completely connected. You can't separate them. But the first part of the scripture says that he took our sins so that we could become righteous. I'm going to read another scripture. This is 1 John 4.10. And it reads, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that is, the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. When Jesus paid that price, he made the way for the New Testament dispensation of the Holy Spirit to enter. He made the way for us to be righteous. He made the way for sin to be remitted. Remitted means that it is eliminated. In the old covenant, it was just covered over. In the new covenant, it was remitted. It was eliminated so that we, in our spirit, were spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of us was made 
absolutely perfect. And because our spirit in born-again believers is absolutely perfect, we can host the Holy Spirit. We can be the tabernacle just like Jesus was. So the two distinctions of Jesus, no sin and completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, we now have those same distinctions. Not that we can't miss it. Not that sin can't affect our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and even our bodies. But it can't touch our spirit. Our spirit has been forever sealed. Just picture this this bubble of God protection around our spirit that nothing will ever, ever penetrate. That's our spirit. And because of our spirit being perfected, the Holy Spirit now can join with our spirit and we can become one. So the New Testament dispensation, Romans 8.11, says the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. Wow. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And there's another part to the scripture. It says, and it quickens our mortal bodies. It quickens, it it stirs, it moves, it activates whatever needs activated. It might be part of your body. It might be um, a relationship. It might be a need in a different part of your life. But the Holy Spirit's there. The resurrection power of Jesus is there. Now, there's a big, huge but. And that is that that is the potential for everybody. Every single person ever that has lived and that ever will live. But it's only actual when you receive Jesus as your savior. It's only yours when you say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want you to be my savior. I relinquish me. I let go of me and I want you to be my Lord. I want you, I need you to be my savior. When that happens, the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit and we become one. So, I've got a few notes. I don't know if I put them on your paper. Can I just peek really quick? I didn't put this on your paper. But I'm repeating this every week. So you might want to take a couple notes because this is important. And I'm repeating this every week. This is a four-part series. I'm repeating it every week. So the bottom line is when we're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. Okay? And we um, we have the Holy Spirit available to us. But... There's another however or another but. Many times, even Christians don't acknowledge that the Holy Spirit's in there. They don't honor him. They don't receive him. It's it's like anything else that God has provided for us. He's provided healing, but not everybody knows about healing. They're often ignorant They don't believe and receive it, and therefore they don't have the benefits. Same thing with salvation. Many people don't receive salvation because they don't don't believe and receive it. The same thing is with this, this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit I'm going to be talking about. We have the Spirit resident in us, but he's a gentleman. And he is not going to just rise up until we invite him. 
If we do, and that's what we're going to be talking about this week and next week. If we do, if we ask the Holy Spirit to baptize us, if we want the infilling, the fullness, the full measure of the Holy Spirit, then, then he has the liberty to work in us and through us. But it's our part to invite him. The Bible calls that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it is another experience beyond the new birth. We do have the Holy Spirit, but we don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit until we acknowledge him and receive him. So what I want to do now is I want to give you four biblical references of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is on on your handout. This is the same account, but it's repeated in every gospel. Whenever an account is repeated over and over in every gospel, I even pay closer attention. So you're going to hear the very words, baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that this isn't Cindy making something up. This is Jesus. John the Baptist is talking, but, but John the Baptist is saying what Jesus said. So let me just read these, starting with Matthew. The gospel of Matthew, verse 11. John the Baptist is talking and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Go to the next scripture. And this is Mark. John the Baptist came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals strap I am not even worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in the Gospel of John, and John the Baptist bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, upon Jesus. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John was prophetically speaking, and I misspoke earlier. I said that Jesus said those words. He did say them later. But in, this, in these accounts, John the baptizer is, is prophetically speaking about Jesus, and he's coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, This baptism of the Holy Spirit. What I want to share with you now, the title, the subtitle of this teaching is The Purpose of the Power. The Purpose of the Power. Last week, or two weeks ago, I talked about the first big general purpose. And I'm going to review it right now. The first purpose of the Holy Spirit is that that power, that supernatural Holy Spirit power will Build us up individually. It will work, the Holy Spirit will work within us, within each individual believer. The Holy Spirit will work in us to grow us up spiritually, to edify us, and to energize our faith. 
I need it. And I believe we all need it. Amen. Go ahead. I'm going to be talking a lot about that. So just hold that. Yep. Yep. I will. I will. But thank you for bringing that to the forefront. Um, Her question was, will I explain what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? I'm going to be talking a lot about that. So I will. And if I, if I don't explain clearly, ask me. Yes. Okay. So um, that first purpose is that the power of the Holy Spirit within us will help us individually. Now, one of the things I said that the Holy Spirit will do is energize our faith. That word energize literally means to make it operative, to make it active, to make it work. Many times when we are believing God, we read his word and as Christians, we know that the word is truth and we choose to believe it. But it's almost a mental ascent, or it's almost a a choice, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with choosing to believe. But when the Holy Spirit's power comes and joins with our spirit, he energizes that faith. He makes it active or operative. It comes alive. And he does that in many, many ways. I've listed, and this is what I taught last week, I've listed five scriptural ways that the Holy Spirit builds us up and strengthens us and energizes our faith. And they're all scripture. Um, And I'm not going to teach them again, but they're here for you to review. Most of them come from the Gospel of John, where Jesus is teaching. It's red letters. And he's teaching about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to focus on tonight is number two. Purpose number two. So now I'm moving into this week. That was all review. Purpose number two. This Holy Spirit power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers us not only to work within us individually, but also to work through us corporately, to work through us to testify of Jesus and his finished work. And that testifying of Jesus is with words and with power, with words and with demonstration, When I teach, it isn't Cindy teaching. It's Cindy partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit teaching. I know the anointing is uh, is there. I sense it. I know it. I feel it. It's completely different than if I'm at home preparing. The Holy Spirit just comes in and, and puts a power with the words. But there's also demonstrations of signs and wonders. I'm going to be sharing a lot of those today as I teach. So I will be sharing little nuggets of signs and wonders that I've witnessed as God confirms his word. So we were created to be power assisted. We were created to need this power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a couple of of simple examples to help you to Um, visualize what I'm talking about. First example is Pastor Tim's. He always shares this when he teaches about the Holy Spirit. He brings in a handsaw, old-fashioned handsaw, you know, picture a wooden handle, metal thing with little blades like this, that you go like this and saw. And then he brings in a power saw. And And then he says, okay, you can use, they'll both work. They will both do the job of cutting wood. 
but one takes a whole lot more effort than the other one. The power saw, it is without effort. You just know how, have to know how to use the tool and the tool does the work. With the handsaw, you physically have to do the work. That's a very simple example of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit resident within us upon our new birth. But unless we activate the Holy Spirit and invite him in, it's like using a handsaw instead of a power saw. The second example is power steering on a car. Most of us are at the age where we've never had a car without power steering. But I've had the power steering go out on my car. And it is completely a different story. You're driving and it takes physical effort to turn that wheel, especially if you're turning along, to, you know, like a 90 degree turn. You have to pull that steering wheel around. But when the power steering works, which it does, you know, all the time, you can use a finger, one little finger or your knee. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. But you can <laughs> because it's so, so easy because we have power steering. Well, it's like that, and I'm, this is how I'm going to connect the Holy Spirit. In much the same way, we can function without the Holy Spirit baptism, without this power that I'm talking about. We're still in communion with God. We're still in a position of right standing with him. We're still loved just as much, just as deeply and high and wide. We're still loved. We still are a receiver of his inheritance. But we don't have the added benefit of being power assisted. He wants us to be power assisted. So what I'm going to do now, what's your first name? What's your first name? Lisa, Lisa. What I'm going to do now, Lisa, I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures where Jesus is speaking about what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit baptism comes. The first one is in Luke chapter 24. In the, this is the last chapter in Luke. So in this chapter of Luke, Jesus has already done his work. He's already had his ministry taught his disciples. He has already died for us, been buried, destroyed the works of the enemy, and been resurrected to new life. He paid the price for all of our sin. He did the work. And he's just getting ready to commission his disciples and apostles and then ascend to heaven. Jesus was only here for a short time. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is here forever. He is here to reside in us and be with us forever. So this is what Jesus said right before he ascended. Verse 49, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he's saying, okay, this is one of the last things he says before he blessed them and ascended. He said, I am sending the promise. He had told them and told them and told them about the promise way before he died. But this is after he died and was resurrected and he's reminding them, I'm going to send the promise. But wait. Don't go out and start doing the work of the gospel. Don't go out and start preaching. Stop. Don't do it. Wait. Until you are endued with power from on high. Wait until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you how that means, baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the next scripture we read. But first I wanted to find the word endued. 
That word endued means to sink into. It means to be clothed with. And it means to put on. So Jesus is saying, you're going to be sinking into this power. You're going to be clothed. You're going to put on the power of God. As I was preparing this, I had this vision of Pigpen on the Snoopy show. The little guy who's dirty. And everywhere he walks, this cloud of dust just kind of goes with him wherever he goes. And as I was picturing that, I thought, okay, that's Cindy. That's you with the Holy Spirit. So you, the Holy Spirit, you can't see, but the Holy Spirit is all around me. The Holy Spirit is in me. That, and, and in you, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that Holy Spirit is, is with me wherever I go, wherever I move. The anointing never leaves. I might not be activating, I might not be honoring, I might not be inviting him, I might not be listening to him, but he's there. He's on standby. He's always with me. Think about the old covenant and the tabernacle. Think about the cloud that moved and, and the tabernacle was supposed to be with the cloud. So if the, ta- if the cloud moved, they, they packed everything up and they moved. It was cloud by day, it was fire by night. That was the power of God. That was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Now that same Holy Spirit is around you, in you. You are um, sinking into this place of the presence. We need to meditate on that. We need to keep that in our forefront because we can get busy with life and forget this amazing Holy Spirit that we have at our uh, complete access all the time. The next scripture is Acts 1. This is the very next chapter in the Bible. It's also written by Luke. It's at the very beginning, and he repeats what he said at the end of Luke. So it says in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. Jesus says, you heard it from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus, once again, is giving them very important message. And then right after that, he blesses them and he ascends into heaven. And he's telling them once again, he says, the promise is coming. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to, you need to wait until this happens. And then you're going to receive this awesome power. And it's going to give you the ability to go and be my witness. Be a witness to me. A witness to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Sorry, I keep spitting. He points to Jesus and the finished work of the cross. So let's settle in right here and look at what this means. This isn't just for the book of Acts, although I live in the book of Acts today, so I guess it is for the book of Acts. But it's not just for what's written in the Bible book of Acts. It's for today as well. And next week... 
Let me give you a preview. Next week, we're going to look at how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit ourselves. We're going to look at the biblical evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism, which is tongues, just like it was in the book of Acts. We're going to look at the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit. We're going to look at questions and um, um, arguments, I guess, from the, the Christian world that is anti-baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at what they say and what the Bible says and, and how, and I believe truth will be revealed. So we're going to look at that next week. But today I want to look right here at what this means to have the power to witness. The word power is the biblical word dunamis, the Greek word dunamis. It's the same word that our English word dynamite comes from. Dynamite's pretty powerful, pretty explosive, right? I once heard somebody say that uh, with dynamite, that if you put dynamite out in the middle of a parking lot where, or in the middle of a field where there's nothing around it and it blows up, it'll make a big hole, but it won't like do a lot of destruction. But if you take that same stick of dynamite and put it in a, a closed place like um, a wall or a underground or, or someplace that, that there's um, pressure around it, it's going to make a huge hole explosion. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When you feel like you're closed in, when you feel like everything's coming against you, when you feel like you're, you're, you're all hemmed in on every side and, and you don't know what to do, the power of the Holy Spirit is like dynamite. I can't say enough amazing about the power of the Holy Spirit. So that same Holy Spirit power, another definition is miracle working power. Jesus had miracle working power. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same miracle working power. And this is another important term. That power is inherent. Once you've received it, the word inherent means it's permanent and inseparable. It doesn't come and go. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went. Not anymore. He's permanent. He will reside with us forever. The Spirit of God, the nature of God is within us and works through us. He never leaves us. Another definition in the concordance, in the resource that I use, says Power such as that which rests in armies or forces or hosts. Notice there's an S on each one of those. It's like the power of God is multiplied, bigger than you can even begin to know. So maybe you've been dealing with, wrong word, maybe you've been experiencing like a little power. Well, multiply that. And that's what God wants you to know. Armies. Forces, hosts. I, when I think of hosts, I think of hosts of angels. I think of angel armies. Now here's the good news. We're higher than angels. I can show you that in the Bible. We are higher than angels. We have this amazing Holy Spirit, hosts of power, armies of power accessible to us. We just need to believe it and receive it. And the Bible says, with that power, you shall be witnesses to me. 
Jesus is speaking. You shall be witnesses to me. Now that word witness is the purpose of the power. He gives us the ability to witness. The word witness means to remember. It means to have information or knowledge. It means to provide evidence to prove something is true. Now put all that in the context of Jesus and the finished work. With the power of the Holy Spirit, this isn't Cindy's ability, this isn't Cindy's knowledge, this isn't studying the Bible and you know, having a Bible study. This is the Holy Spirit working through me or you to tell what I remember. But when I tell it, and when I'm saying I remember, I'm saying things that I know that Jesus has done, evidence of Jesus. It might be biblical evidence, accounts from the Bible. It might be stuff that I've seen Jesus do in my life or in your life. I'm going to share a bunch of that tonight. But it's not just me talking. It, there's a power that's connected with the words that I speak to go deep into your heart, to cut you to the heart, and to say, that's for me too. To build up your faith, to energize your faith, to wake you up, to stir you up, to put a fire in your belly, to say, that's for me too. The, this witnessing... Uh, gives us the ability to share information or knowledge. But it's not just information or knowledge. It's so much more. It's deep, deep wisdom of God. Deep knowledge, rhema. Where it can go from rhema in me to rhema in you. Rhema is when God speaks right to your heart. And the Holy Spirit power can enable that to happen. The third one is um, providing evidence to prove something is true. So the Holy Spirit, this is where it gets fun, can just show up and there are signs and wonders and um, senses, things that are happening in the atmosphere and you encounter God in such a way that you cannot deny him. It is evidence, it is a testimony, it is a witness to the reality of God. I'm going to read another scripture about being a witness. This is John, this is Jesus's words, Gospel of John chapter 15. But when the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify and bear witness about me. But you will testify also and be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus is again giving this promise about, about the Holy Spirit that is to come. And then he says, the Holy Spirit will testify about me and so will you. That's because we partner. That's because we are joined together. We are partners once I have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we bear witness. We bear witness. Then if I go back to that Acts scripture, can, can you go back one, one screen, please? So when in that scripture, in the Acts scripture, it says that we will witness, let me read it. It says, you, will be, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there's four locations there. And I want to just give you a little bit of explanation about that. The first one is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a city. It is the city center, the heart of the Jewish nation. Our president just declared that it is the capital of Israel. 
It is, yeah, yay, I agree, yay. And it is. I just heard a teaching yesterday that just about, oh, stirred in my heart. And the teaching was that it, it, there is a, there is a, a scientific um, um, concept, I guess is the word, that the world used to be one continent and then it broke up and split up into all of our seven continents. And this teacher, it was an Andrew Womack teacher, he said, I agree with that because Israel is at the center. And at the center of Israel is Jerusalem. And at the center of Jerusalem is the temple. Now the temple doesn't stand today, but it will again. At the center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. And at the center of the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the center of the Ark of the Covenant was the Word of God. And he says, I can believe that the center, you know, that was the centerpiece and, and all of the continents did spread out or whatever, because that's, that's the center. So anyway, I was like, wow. To where was I going with that? Okay. Jerusalem. The first place to witness is Jerusalem. And that's our center. That's our region. That's our home. That's our comfort zone. In, in Jesus' day, that was the, the home of the Jews. That was where they came together to worship. So when you are, are witnessing in your Jerusalem, it's with people who are like-minded, who are surrounding you. It might be your Bible study group. It might be this kind of a setting where you're all coming together just to build one another up and, and learn and grow. The next one is Judea. Judea is the, the region around Jerusalem. And that's like when we go and we are moving out, maybe at a distance, but we're still in the same culture. In Judea, the Judea region was also primarily Jewish. So when we go in and, and are witnessing in like-minded people, with like-minded people, we're in our Judea. So for me, when, I, when that Bible study goes out and maybe I go visit a church and, and share or teach in another church, I'm in my Judea. We have a lot of like-minded people and they're coming, they're hungry, they're seeking, they're open. It's fun. It's really fun. And then the next one is Samaria. In Samaria, most of the Samaritans were not saved. They were later because Paul took the message out and started to preach everywhere and Gentiles were, were saved all over the place. But at the beginning, Samaritan was a completely different group of people and they were excluded from the people of God. So that would be us preaching to people who maybe, or sharing the gospel and the testimony of Jesus that don't know Jesus and maybe are anti-Jesus. Maybe they are a different faith or, um, or non-believers or whatever but we can still witness to them. I'm looking right at you, Alice. <laughs> that lady saves, she doesn't save them. She takes the gospel and they get saved everywhere she goes. And we can do that. But you know what? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can testify with power of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. The fourth area is the, na the whole world. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He went from nation to nation to nation to nation. He went on mission trips all over his, as far as he could travel at that time. 
When we see the big ministries today, the, the televised ministries, Sid Roth and Rick Renner and Andrew Walmack and so many others, that's what they're doing. They're reaching the nations. And Kent and I are so blessed because of the, what he's doing right now because he films this stuff and puts it out on Facebook. That message goes all over the place. And we get to witness people all over receiving truth, being transformed, being healed, coming to know Jesus in a whole new way. So whatever means God gives you, we've found that um, Facebook is a really good way to, t- to share the word. I share testimonies. I share, you know, little nuggets. I don't do it all the time because I also use it for my grandbabies, <laughs> sharing pictures of grandbabies. But I do share a lot of word, and that's a good way to get the word out. So there's a lot of ways that we can share with the world. Okay, now, here's a therefore. It's on your paper, and it's in bold. And if there's nothing else you take home with you today, this is what I want you to remember. We have this amazing power And with this power, we can go and we can testify of Jesus. And therefore, here's the therefore. I'm just going to read it from our paper. Therefore, because of what Jesus did and because of this promise, you will have the Holy Spirit power and ability to give witness through words and demonstration of what you know to bring light and to testify of Jesus and his finished work. That's the gist. That's putting it all in one sentence. That's what the Holy Spirit baptism is all about. It's about having the power in you. It's no, nothing special about you. It's everything special about the God in you. And because you have that God in you, you can go about sharing what you know with words and demonstration. Right, Kathy? She, she's in a ministry called Take It to the Streets. And that's what she does. She takes it to the streets. She takes the gospel. She tells people about Jesus. She tells them about how much he loves them. She offers to pray for them. And she sees signs and wonders all the time. Because God confirms his word with signs and wonders. That's what the Holy Spirit does in you and through you. So Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was endued with power from the Holy Spirit. He was anointed to to carry out his calling of being the Messiah. Jesus was the Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Our title is Christian. It has the word Christ in it. And that word Christian means little anointed ones, little Christs, little anointed ones with the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus carried. So I'm going to now, I'm going to close with reading four scriptures and then we're going to just move into the letting the Holy Spirit have his way. I'm going to read four scriptures. The first scripture is when Jesus was still in his ministry here on earth, and he was he took he took the holy spirit in him and he did an impartation but it was still old testament well it was gospel dispensation but the new covenant dispensation had not yet been released so he imparted the holy spirit on his disciples so that they could get a taste of what was to come so let me read this this is matthew 10 
When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is before Jesus had even paid the price with his death and resurrection. But what happened? These apostles went out and they did it. Remember the account where they came back and they were like, it works. It works. We saw this work. They were overwhelmed with awe. And then in the next scripture, which is Mark 16, Jesus had died, been buried and resurrected. And he gave this commission to those same people. It's also to you and I. And this is what he said. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. So the first thing Jesus does is he he draws a line in the sand and he says, okay, you're going to go preach the word. You're going to go testify of me and my finished work. And then people have a choice. They can choose to believe or they can choose not to. And then he goes to the category of believers. Okay, here's all the people that have believed. And this is what he says. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. This is the ascension. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. So in this scripture, Jesus is commissioning his disciples. And he's saying, okay, this is what you do. And he's telling them, to go, to, to preach the word, to, um, he gives them all kinds of signs, to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues. We're going to talk next week a lot about speaking in tongues. He says, go and do this. He says, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, they'll by no means be harmed. I want to just stop there and go on a little rabbit trail right now because that's often really confusing. Well, let me back up a little bit. It says, cast out demons. That means we have authority over the enemy. The next one says, speak with new tongues. That means we have the Holy Spirit. That's an evidence of the Holy Spirit. And we're talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. Then it says this thing about drinking poison or whatever and taking up serpents. That basically means we are protected. Psalm 91 is an awesome psalm of protection. Does that mean that we pick up poisonous snakes and let them bite us? No, that's stupid. Does that mean we drink poison just to say, God will not let me get poisoned? No, that's stupid. God has given us wisdom. But what I do believe that means is that when we get poison in our body, for whatever reason, we are protected. I use that prayer all the time for people taking chemo. Because we know chemo is a poison. Chemo is designed to poison cancer and kill it. So when we pray, when people are getting chemo, we pray that it will poison cancer and kill it. 
but it will not poison anything else in their body based on that word, based on that truth, based on that promise. I also use that promise for accidental poisons such as poison ivy or food poisoning or anything like that. I pray and I believe that with all my heart. I used to get poison ivy so bad that I'd have to go and get um, cortisone shots or cortisone pills or whatever. Don't anymore. I never get it. And when I know that I've been in an area where there, I've even seen poison ivy and I've been weeding. Now I wear gloves and I wash my hands and my arms really well after I'm done weeding. But I declare that scripture and I haven't had poison ivy in years and years and years and years and years. Because we're protected. We just need to believe it. We need to know it. We need to believe it and receive it. Okay, done with the rabbit trail. And then it says that they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So these are signs. And Jesus said to go and do this. So he's commissioning us. So that was right before, well, he ascended in the middle. He said it, then he ascended, and then it says that his words were confirmed. The word that was preached was confirmed through signs and wonders. And now I'm going to, the last two scriptures I'm going to read are from the book of Acts. Because then the church was birthed. In the second chapter of Acts, the apostles and many more people, there were 120 people, were all tarrying like Jesus told them to do. They were waiting until this promise came. They probably didn't know, quite know what they were in for. But then they were. The Holy Spirit did come. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were endued with power. We're going to talk about that a lot next week. And then that power was active in them and through them. And I'm going to give you two examples. Acts 4, 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There it is, power to witness. Acts 14, 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. God's confirming his word with signs and wonders. That was when Jesus was alive. Today, we are still walking in the book of Acts. We are still that church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church. And that is for us today. It hasn't passed away. The Holy Spirit didn't die out with the apostles. There's nothing in the word that says that. On next week, I'm going to talk about some of those questions, give you biblical evidence that, they're wrong, that the, the debate is wrong. But what I want to share right now are a few testimonies of where I have seen God's word confirmed through signs and wonders. Jamie, I'm going to share yours right now. A couple weeks ago, I had a word of knowledge for pain in feet, and it was very specific, where the pain was and what it felt like. Jamie was sitting right over here, and, and she says, that's me. I've had this ongoing. It was a chronic issue. She'd had it for a long time. And I pray for people a lot, and you probably never see me ask somebody to take their boot off, have you? That was God. Holy Spirit was saying, lay hands on that foot. Just like Jesus, you know, spat in the mud and made mud. He, he, I, I had that unction. We needed to do that. So she took off her boot and I laid hands on her feet and prayed and I felt the power of God. And she said that that pain left and has been gone since. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is it still gone, Jamie? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We can give it another booster shot tonight if you want. 
So that was one. Um, uh, many. The woman in Florida that I was telling you about where the church has had the huge explosion of this Bible study. Well, I tell you why there's probably a huge explosion. You know how miracles drew people to Jesus? Well, there's this woman at that church who had stage four breast cancer. I've told you this part of the story already. Um, and it had metastasized to her bones. Uh, it's a long story. I'm not going to give you all the details. It's phenomenal miracle. She chose not to take treatment, except natural treatment. And um, the first thing that was healed was the tumor in her breast. It literally, I've never heard of this before, it literally came out of her breast. I got pictures on my phone. It's gross. It, it broke open and came out. That was the first healing. But then a few months later, um, she started having excruciating pain in her back, and she went to the doctor, and it had metastasized to her T8 vertebrae. And her vertebrae was disintegrated. And that was in August. That's when they contacted me. And um, they started listening to all the teachings on the podcast and, and, and calling and praying and stuff. We went down in October to drive Mom Cox to Florida, and they live close. So we went to their home. We spent a couple hours, just prayed and laid hands on them, anointed her with oil. This woman and her family were, oh my goodness, steadfast in faith. After that time of prayer, about one week later, I got a picture and a text from the daughter. And the, the mother was sitting up in the car smiling. Well, unbeknownst to me, she hadn't been able to sit up in a car for months because it hurt too bad to sit up. She had to lay down. She had to lay down and she had to drive from Venice to Sarasota for this alternative treatment every week. She was sitting up with no pain. And that was very, very, it was a sign that something good was happening. In December, two months later, she went and had the whole series of tests done and all the cancer was gone. All the pain was gone. All the cancer was gone. She's completely healed. No medical treatment. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. And now that church has 90-some people in a healing class. Um, another, another woman was sitting right there, right where you're sitting, buddy. She was sitting right in that chair. This is about two years ago. I remember things like that. And she came, her name's Joey. Probably some of you were here. She um, had lupus. And it was really, really serious, very serious um, stage of lupus. She was homebound. She had to quit her job. She wasn't able to leave her home. She was in excruciating pain. Pastor Tim prayed for that woman. We all came in agreement. We prayed and stood in fervent, effectual prayer, and she got healed that night, 100% healed. She went to the doctor, had all of the screens of tests done. She no longer has lupus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We prayed for a man named Kevin. This man we happened to meet up with in the uh, ticketing area of an airport. He called us, wanted us to pray. That's where we happened to meet because Kent and I were flying out the next day. In the ticketing area of the airport, we ministered Jesus. We testified. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He the power of the Holy Spirit in us works through us to testify of Jesus. But it's not just words. There's power that go with the words. So it's not just me giving. It's the person receiving. And that man, Kevin, had a tumor in his 
I don't know where it was, somewhere in his gut. He had prostate cancer. He had a tumor the size of a grapefruit. It was inoperable. Um, no treatment had worked. He tried chemo and he wasn't able to take it for whatever reason. They didn't give him any hope. He was a young man, hadn't even had children yet. He had just gotten married. We gave him a, a little Charles Capps book. We laid hands on him. We prayed for him. We gave him a little bit of direction. We gave him good news, of course, about Jesus. He went back home to the northeast of the United States. He went to another medical center to have another opinion. They did a whole new scan of tests. They compared his old test to his new tests, and that tumor that was the size of a grapefruit had shrunk to the size of a pea. It was completely operable, treatable, and he's completely whole. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last one that I want to share is Kate. You've heard a lot of these before, but I'm just sharing them again because we're testifying of Jesus. Kate is from the UK. Kate was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer and had metastasized to the fluid around her heart. Stage four, bad report. In the midst of that season of not knowing what to do, she went online and she typed in healing and our ministry came up. Now, Ken and I aren't a huge ministry. That was God, I believe. I don't know how that happened, but that's what came up. And she started listening to our podcast and came to hear a truth she'd never heard before. She was Christian, but she didn't know about Jesus being a healer today. She started to receive that. Before she even started treatment, the cancer greatly reduced. When she started the treatment, it was, su I, I like to call it, super on the natural. God put his super on the natural. And all of that fluid around her lungs, all the cancer was completely eliminated. Then they could do um, surgery and follow-up treatment, and she's completely well. But that's only a little piece of the story, because this woman has a very loud voice in the world. She was the communications director, global communications director for World Vision which is a huge charity organization. She um, has written a book since then. It's a bestseller in the UK. She's going all over with her book, sharing, and uh, it's called Sea Changed is the name of the book. But it's all about her transformation through her life because of Jesus. And she went and did an uh, interview on TBN UK. And when she did it, it was so inspiring that TBN offered her her own show. And she's doing a 12-part series called Transformation. She, we talked a couple weeks ago because I'm going to be on one of those shows via Skype. Because she, she started to hear the news through our website. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? And that's not just for us. That's for everybody. So next week, we're going to talk about how to receive it. All we have to do is ask. It's really easy. If you can't wait till next week, if you know you're not going to be here next week, grab somebody with a tag. And we're going to, if you want the Holy Spirit, you're going to walk out today with the full measure of the Holy Spirit. The power that I'm talking about. The power for within, for you, and the power to work through you for the, for the world.